Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I want to empower you to connect to yourself and your purpose so that you can make an impact with your talents. Through solo and coaching episodes, I'll share personal branding and PR strategies to attract the fans, media, and industry that allow you to live that purpose. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Multi-Passionate Artists. I'm going to do a solo show today and talk about all things multi-potentiality, multi-passionate artists, and tell you my story, tell you more about multi-potentiality, and maybe you can recognize if you are one as well, and join the community. It's empowering once you realize it and accept it. So let's start off with you may have multipotentiality and not even know it. So many of us did not know it and thought maybe there was something wrong with us. And uh, once you learn that multipotentiality is a thing, it's uh, pretty freeing. So here's how you know. Do you have so many interests that it's difficult to choose just one to focus on? Do others think your multiple interests are unrelated, but you see how they're connected? When you have a new interest, do you get a little bit obsessive um, about learning everything you can about it as fast as you can because you're so passionate to learn something new? Do you sometimes lose interest in something once your curiosity is satisfied? Do you fear commitment because you don't want to be trapped in any one career or activity long term? Freedom is important to you. Freedom is a one of your core values. Do you feel a sense of success from the challenges you've mastered more so than status? And does the phrase jack of all trades, master of none, make you anxious or angry? If you answered yes to most of these, you probably have multipotentiality. And so what is that? Multipotentiality is an educational and psychology term, and it refers to the ability and preference of a person, particularly one of strong intellectual and artistic curiosity, to excel in two or more different fields. There are many words to describe it. I like multi-passionate, multi-potentialite, multi-talented, scanner, renaissance soul, polymath, generalist, the list goes on. But first let's start with a quote from Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou was definitely a multi-passionate artist. And she said, I think we've done a real disservice to young people by telling them, oh, be careful. You'll be a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And she says, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I think you can be a jack-of-all-trades and a mistress of all trades. If you study it, 
You put reasonable intelligent and reasonable energy, reasonable electricity to it, you can do it. You may not become Max Roach on the drums, but you can learn the drums. That is great inspiration from Maya Angelou, who was a poet, a singer, songwriter, composer, actor, dancer, speaker, professor, journalist, civil rights activist, speaker of six languages, an author, director, producer, screenwriter, playwright, and cook. (laughs) Now, I will tell you my story. At least all the creative parts of my story, starting when I was young. I always loved arts and crafts, and I didn't come from a creative family. I didn't do well in school. I had some trauma in my childhood, and I think because of that, I was drawn to extroverts, which in my world, I saw on television, you know, I saw musicians and actors and movies and dancers, and I was so enamored by all of that. So that was my world, and that becomes my why of why I do what I do today, because artists change lives with their talent, and no matter what's going on in the world... You can escape to the world that artists create for us. You know, how many times do you, you're going through something and you listen to music to get you through it? You watch movies to get into a better mindset. So that's where my story began is like just arts and entertainment, music centered my world. In high school, when it came time to pick a career, My counselor was only interested in the really smart people going to university. So the rest of us, he didn't care. You know, hey, go be a secretary. Thanks. I didn't want to be secretary. And, you know, of all the jobs that were presented to us in career explorations, I was like, I don't want to do any of these things. But then I was like, you know what? Arts and entertainment. What can I do? There has to be something more. And kind of out of a desperation of there has to be something more out there for me, I had a Pat Benatar tour book. Because, you know, my teenage years, I went to a lot of concerts. And it was the 80s, so it's Pat Benatar. (laughs) And uh, I looked to the back and went through all the job titles, and I either didn't know what they meant or wasn't my thing. And near the end, I saw a photographer. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to be a photographer. Other than taking pictures of my pets with a Polaroid as a kid, I never really picked up a camera. (laughs) But I was going to be a photographer because that was my way to be around performers, be around musicians, be in the entertainment industry. So... Grade 11 and 12, you get to take a lot more electives. I took photography and publishing and finally started getting good grades. So I was going to be a photographer in Vancouver at that time. There was only two options for post-secondary education in photography. And one was a four-year art college, which was Emily Carr and 
the whole first year was all kinds of fine art, not photography. And I somehow didn't take art in high school. I don't know what happened, but I didn't take art. The other option was a two-year intense technical school where you had to be good in physics, algebra, and math to get into there. And my lovely counselor, I'm going to tell you a lot about the creativity killers along the way in my story, just so you can relate the struggles along the way. So he said, you'll never get the grades you need in physics, algebra, and chemistry uh, to get into that school. So you should choose something else, like choose another career. Who says that? Luckily, when I went home and told my mother what, what he said, she said, that's ridiculous. If that's what you want to do, you'll do it. So I took a year off and went to night school and got chemistry, physics, and algebra. Got pretty decent grades, actually. So I got in. And it was the hardest two years of my life. It was so hard. It was so technical. They put you through it. And another creativity killer, the instructor of the photography school, always had to knock everything down. I was a rule follower, so I get that I was not that creative because, you know, you follow the rules. But he was mean, and I cried in the bathroom in between classes for the first semester. <laughs> so that's another creativity killer moment. He almost had me quitting, but I don't quit, so... I was still going to complete it, even if I couldn't make it as a photographer. I was still going to finish this program, and I was one of eight that did. We lost probably 18 students along the way that did quit. So when you graduate and nothing really happens, then you're like, now what? And someone else in the program took a makeup artistry program afterwards. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Makeup. So you can do your own makeup for your own photography. I'm like, chance to learn something new? Great. I went to makeup school. <laughs> and along the way, I also took fashion styling and maybe I'm going to be a fashion stylist and got a little distracted there. Started doing fashion photography. And then I met a photographer, a fashion photographer, and I started assisting him. And it was a fantastic experience because in the photography school, we learn the rules. And then you go to fashion photography and they throw out all the rules. And that's when creativity happens because you know why you're breaking the rules. Fashion photography, and I was doing my own, doing the model's makeup, hair and makeup, and styling. And photography. But when I started, you know, working with this fashion photographer, he said, don't do that. Or don't do the hair and makeup. Get a, a hair and makeup artist and work with them. And that way you concentrate on photography. Focus on one thing. So I was like one of the first examples of that. You can't do all those things. You need to do this advice. Which I followed and got a makeup artist to work with. Which was you know, good in another way of like you have someone else to bounce ideas off of. Um, so yeah, photography was my focus, but I always wanted to shoot fashion models and actors and musicians and 
but you couldn't really make a living at that uh, in Vancouver anyways at the time. There wasn't a lot of entertainment industry. So you kind of, most most of the photographers I knew that did that, they, you know, also did weddings or portraits or all kinds of other types of photography to make, to pay the bills. And I didn't want to do that. So I thought to move to Toronto. I moved to Toronto. I, in with the intent to pursue photography. And then I got a job at Mac Cosmetics and, Never picked up a camera again for another decade. <laughs> then my life was I was a makeup artist. It was exciting being in Toronto. And all of a sudden I felt I could do whatever I wanted. I, I felt like I could be myself or I think whoever maybe I wanted to be. So I was able to express myself and change my hair color and wear wigs and crazy makeup and clothes and and got to experiment and no matter what look I went for it was embraced which I loved because Toronto was full of all kinds of creative people I loved being a makeup artist I loved the fashion industry it was so exciting but then I would still be doing music videos and photo shoots with bands and and on film sets or in commercial sets with actors and obviously the fashion world I loved it but it I still needed that entertainment I still needed to be around my musicians and actors and performers and taking a risk and not having a full-time steady job was just not in my DNA at the time and so I never really this is kind of where I started thinking that maybe I never really gave anything a shot because I always had some kind of secure job while pursuing the arts. Oh, music journalism. My friend started a magazine and asked me to write for it. And I thought, oh, journalism. I remember doing that. I like that. Of course, I can't just do something like that. I have to find a school program and take another, get another diploma in something. Um, so I took journalism <laughs> program and did some journalism, mostly, I guess, on music and fashion and entertainment. I thought, yeah, finally, this is what I meant to do. But very quickly, I was like, that's not it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And it finally occurred to me that everything I'd done up to that point, photography, makeup, fashion styling, journalism, all of it was just to be around performers. That was the goal of all of it. It wasn't necessarily the love of any of those arts. It was, it's my way to be around performers, and especially the music industry. Instead, I went to entertainment management school and learned everything to do with the music business. And in the end, I interned with a publicist. So I just started my company, publicity company, and started doing publicity for my friends. And and that, you know, took off fairly quickly and exciting. And finally, I know I'm going to say this a lot, but finally, this is what I was meant to do. <laughs> Have you said that a lot in your life too? This is finally what I meant to do. 
as a publicist, I had my company name, Skylar Entertainment. I was working with, you know, Canadian and international artists. You know, I got to work with Perry Farrell and the Parlotones and Sass Jordan, DOA, Dearly Beloved, Brian Byrne. And in 2008, two different music industry contacts asked me if I would be interested in doing film publicity. One was for a film coming to Toronto International Film Festival. And then right after that, it was an actress that had a red carpet premiere in Hollywood. And so I laugh at these because they're kind of go big or go home opportunities as your first film gig. And now I was finally a music and film publicist, an actor publicist. And I started working with the Female Eye Film Festival and through that got to work with a lot of famous actors. Mackenzie Phillips, Tyler Blackburn, Alana Masterson, Rob Wells, and so many others along the way and different films and film festivals. And, you know, it. I had a lot of amazing experiences. But in the downtimes... It's like a roller coaster of tons of work, then nothing, <laughs> and then tons of work, then nothing. And in those nothing times, it, that thought always came of like, maybe it's time to get a real job. As artists, we, we probably say that a lot too. It's time to get a real job. I just kept going, kept going. And then it's 2015, 16. I was just done. Couldn't do it anymore. I, As much as I wanted to continue, the industry had changed so much and it was just really hard to make a steady income. And for a year, I really worked at trying to get a real job. I took out every single book in the library about careers and, and how to apply for a job and how to do a resume and all that stuff I hadn't done in like 15 years. <laughs> and uh, I will say there is a moment here where sometimes a message is right in front of you, but you're not ready to see it. Among all those career books that I had from the library, I had Barbara Shears refused to choose in my hands. And I started to read it. And at first it was like, oh my God, this is me. She calls us scanners. And it's the multi-potentiality where we're so passionate about this. And then once we kind of learn everything we can, we kind of get bored. And then we have a new discovery and dive head first in. By that time, I had set my mind up that I'm quitting and getting a real job, so I didn't finish reading it. I put it back and continued applying for jobs and, you know, some music industries. Uh, some of them I went back to fashion because, you know, it's I, want that, I was like money, security, benefits sounded, that was my, that sounded really good to me at that time. And so I was going for corporate PR gigs at big, you know, cosmetic companies, because I figured, why not use my cosmetic background? And I came close. I came close, I think, to getting a few things. You know, nothing really worked. And yes, to be honest, I didn't want those jobs anyways. 
you know I wouldn't have been happy. I'd been so long on my own, and there's still so much more I thought I wanted to do, but I didn't know what yet. You know, I went back to publicity. And then 2017, I decided, this is the beginning of my multipotentiality. 2017, I decided that I'm going to put everything I do on dianefoy.com. I was doing photography again. I loved it. I got the photography bug again. And I was... I was doing a lot of different things. I had a mental health blog and photography website, and I always kept them separate because that's what they tell you to do. You can't put everything on one website. You'll confuse your audience and blah, blah, blah. So no one really knew I did any of it, right? Because publicity was always a focus because that's where I made more money. It's a lot. This is where the main advice I give multi-passionate artists is I am not a fan of separate websites and separate social media. It's hard enough to get a following going and keeping up one website and one social media profile. You're going to have three, five, how many interests do we have? (laughs) And have a separate one for all? Even two. It's a lot. And so if you can combine them, do that. Because that trying to separate wasn't working for me. And so I just decided, I don't know what I'm going to do. It was the first time I really didn't know what was next. And maybe I would do photography again. Maybe I'll still do publicity. Maybe some other opportunity will come up or some other interests. I didn't know. But I was like, I'm done with the separate lives. I was also a pet care specialist along the way, too. And <laughs> I actually am a pet care specialist, pet nutrition specialist. Um, so that is kind of another career I've had in the background for over a decade. So then again, no one knows I do that. It's a whole other part of my life. And I was like, I'm just going to put everything on dianefoy.com and see what happens. And of course, everyone told me it was a horrible idea. Uh, you'll be called a jack of all trades, master of none. You'll confuse your audience. Why would you give up your company name, your PR company name? It's so na- it's already well known and established, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Which is discouraging when everyone tells you you can't do what you want to do. I know you can relate if you're listening. If you made it this far listening, I know you can relate. So a lifetime of being told you can't do all that. You're dreaming too big. You need to narrow down. And so, I don't know. I was like, my gut said to do it anyways. My gut said that it is the future to do many things. And I'm just going to go for it. You know, I put photography on, I put publicity on, and... And I was just kind of, you know, floating that year, doing whatever came up. And by the end of the year, I heard about a branding for artists workshop. It was a day-long thing. The government was putting it on, so it was free. And I was just like, for some reason, I was really drawn to it. Even though I already know about it, I already knew about branding and for artists, but I don't know. Something said go. 
see how someone else, you know, teaches it or, or meet new people. Great. So I went and she was a coach. And one thing that came up was she asked of all the many things that you want to do. And now this is the advice that I give you too, is when you want to do a lot of things, you can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. And so try to focus on what is the thing of all the things that you want to do and all the things you can do that you're skilled at, what is the thing that you most love and that you can get paid doing soonest? What is the thing that you'll get paid the soonest that is the easiest to implement? And I I thought about consulting because... Well, that's all my knowledge of photography and makeup and fashion industry and journalism and publicity and music business and film business and actor business. It's like, ah, so much knowledge to share. And I thought consulting. But then she was a coach. By the end of the day, I was like, I have coaching. You know us multi-potentialites. <laughs> I obsessed and searched and searched and searched everything I could find about coaching and coaching programs and how to learn to be a coach. And of course, no one coaching certification was right for me. So I had to take them all. Um, and it was, I kind of bought into the, you need to be certified BS. There was the certified coaching Federation thing was coming up. So within a week, I was signed up for that. But also, I discovered online courses and Udemy. I took every course there is on anything I was ever interested in. But they have some amazing programs. Life coaching, business coaching, entrepreneurship coaching, marketing coaching. I took it all because, you know, multi-potentially. And then I was really drawn to creativity coaching. So I studied creativity coaching with the creator or founder of the term creativity coaching, Eric Meisel, who's written over 50 books on the subject. And so it was 2018. All I did was study, basically. 2019, I was doing publicity, got a little distracted with publicity, but I was coaching as well. I started coaching um, artists on personal branding. I was going to go all in on coaching. COVID hit. That knocked me out for a bit. But I was kind of happy. I'm an introvert. A year of staying at home and, you know, having the time to learn everything I still needed to learn about coaching and coaching, having a coaching business. So it was a great, again, another year for the exploration. Also during this year of exploration, I discovered the Emily Wapnick TED Talk. And again, I'll put the link in the show notes if you've not seen this. It was like she was telling my story. And her story, like the, the job titles were different, but the story was the same of how she was in a punk band. Then she wanted to be a lawyer. So she went to law school. Then she wanted to be a filmmaker. And 
each time she would dive right in. Each time she had a new interest or passion, she would dive in, get lost in learning everything she could about it. And at some point, I get bored, lose interest. And when this happens over and over again, you start to think there's something wrong with you. And that's when she got me. I'm like, yeah, I've had those thoughts. Why can't I stick to anything? Everyone else seems to. The musicians are like life musicians. They started when they were eight playing guitar and they've dedicated their life to it. Even when I was in makeup, seemed like all the other makeup artists, that's all they ever wanted to do, dedicate their life to it. They didn't get distracted. They didn't get bored. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I stick to anything? Do I have a fear of success? And this is some of the same things that Emily was saying in her TED Talk. And then she's like, no, there's not something wrong with you. You're a multi-potentialite. And she explained what that was. And then she went on to talk about, you know, what is wonderful about being a multi-potentialite. All your superpowers and why the gener- or the specialists of the world should want to work with us because of what we can add to it. We are fast learners. We are comfortable with risk and trying new things and all kinds of wonderful, wonderful superpowers. And so that TED Talk reminded me of the Barbara Shear book, Refuse to Choose. And then I also discovered The Renaissance Soul by Margaret Lobenstein. That's another one. So like, I feel like the Bibles of the multipotentiality is Barbara Shear, Refuse to Choose, and Margaret Lobenstein, The Renaissance Soul. Both books are give you lots of info of how to manage being a multipotentialite. So, of course, I wanted to be a multi-passionate coach for artists of all kinds. And when I was taking coaching programs, of course, they tell you, even as a coach, you need to niche down. You, I'd be like, I want to coach all artists, artists and performers. Well, you need to niche down more than that. And I'm like, okay, performing artists, which right away felt wrong because I'm not a performing artist. I'm a visual artist. But my most of my experience were with performers. That's where my passion is. So performing artists. Well, do they call themselves performing artists? No, they say they're a musician or they're an actor or they're a dancer. So why not use that? I niche down to musicians and actors. I wouldn't go further than that, (laughs) even though they wanted me to pick one or the other. And most, again, most coaches do because that they do have that one passion. And I tried. I really focused on musicians and actors for a long time. And all my messaging was musicians and actors. And through coaching musicians and actors, I quickly realized that my favorite clients were multi-passionate. They'd come to me because their focus was on being a singer-songwriter or being an actor. 
But then they'd also tell me that I also am an animator, filmmaker, or I'm an actor who's also a photographer and a graphic designer and wants to produce their own films and or you're a singer songwriter and you're a yoga instructor sound healer i'm like i would get excited because i think that's amazing and i think they expected me to say oh you got a niche down blah 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 no i'm like yeah let's do it let's figure it out my podcast was sing dance act thrive interviewing all kinds of um amazing artists on the show which was fantastic but I noticed like last spring, I started slacking on releasing episodes. I started slacking on posting on social media. I was kind of started to get tired of telling the same stories over and over again. That boredom was coming in. And meanwhile, it's like, but this is all I wanted to do <laughs> is to work with artists. But I just came to the conclusion that it's time. Having the messaging of musicians and actors, it never felt right. It felt like you have to be one or the other and that's it. I can't help you if you're not one. So I've gone, I decided to go all in on multi-passionate. That's what I am. My favorite clients are multi-passionate. And at first I thought I was going against the advice of, you know, the world. <laughs> but really... I was niching down to multi-passionate artists. That multi-passionate artist might be a musician, might be an actor, might be a fashion designer, might be a painter, might be all of those, which would be very exciting. But I was like, I'm going to own it. And of course, once I decide something, I just jump in. So again, within a week, I had changed my podcast episode, uh, podcast name, changed all my messaging. I work with multi-passionate artists. I still feel I need to add musicians and actors just so those musicians and actors out there know that I'm for you. You all know that, you know, I know the industry that you're in. And it's been wonderful because then it opens up that I can talk to painters and visual artists and talk about my own multi-potentialite artistry and interests. And that's where we are today. <laughs> I'm all in on multi-passionate artists. I say that I empower multi-passionate artists to connect to themselves and their purpose so that they can make an impact with their talents. Yes, I use personal branding and PR strategies. And I educate and support my clients as they attract the fans, media, and industry that allow them to live that purpose. I love coaching artists. Personal branding changes everything. So many of you tell me that you know social media is important, but you're just not into it, or you don't know what to post, or don't really know how it works, and 
you get frustrated that, you, you know, you post something and it gets no response. And I get that. Or you're an artist that, again, skips that and wants to go hire a publicist. I was that publicist. I watched artists waste money on publicists because they were not ready. And I've said this many times on the podcast is that the whole reason I got into coaching was because artists would come to me. I need to hire a publicist. But without a personal brand, without a story, why should media cover you? Why should industry hire you? Why should fans follow you? Because as talented as you are, people want to know you. They want to make that connection. And if you think of your favorite artists, you probably love them for more than what they do, before, more than their talent. It's the way they dress, the way they, their personality is. Maybe you relate to their story, their upbringing, their purpose. And that's what I coach artists through. It's figuring out what you really want, why you want it, exploring your story, what's unique about you, doing research, competitive edge research, finding what sets you apart from others that do similar things to you. Who are the fans that are most likely to appreciate you? And again, we go back to story. It's all about your story and the many stories that you can tell. There's so many, we all have so many stories, but I don't know about you, but I forget them. <laughs> and so that's why going through, revisit your timeline, revisit your story, like my story that I just told you, that makes me unique. And until you stop and explore your story you know, what made you want to do what you're doing? How many twists and turns did it take you to get there? What challenges do you have along the way? The important part, what is your purpose? We all want to connect and make an impact on the world. And how are you going to do that if you don't get the platform? Personal branding is what I focus on. If we go through that, and I'm sure I've told you about my free resource, the Fans Media and Industry Attraction Playbook. It takes you through the steps that I coach artists through. And phase one is personal branding, authentic personal branding. Phase two, content creation, social media superfans. Phase three, media spotlight. And it has to go in that order for long-term success. Once you figure out your personal brand, which is your story and what makes you unique and who your fans are, who, who's most likely to appreciate that, then telling that story is where social media comes in. You attract the fans, which the media and industry will follow. And so that is my process. That's what I've created. And now you've heard my story of what makes you unique and why I'm so passionate about artists of all kinds. I focus on personal branding and PR because those are my skills. 
an image. Basically, my entire journey has led me to where I am now. I have all this knowledge and passion to share. And I want to help you live your purpose. My purpose is to help you live your purpose. And I want you to lead with your purpose. I want you to share your story and connect with others. And the more you do that, the more people will appreciate your talents and the more you're going to make an impact and the income, the income will come from that as well. And as multi-passionates, there's also the challenge of how to focus and how to, you know, narrow down what you're going to focus on right now without giving up the many things you want to do. That's other things that I coach on as well. So I will leave you with some multi-potentialite, multi-potentiality superpowers. I started with, you might be a multi-potentialite and not even know it. And now, if you've made it this far, you know if you are one or not. Now, own your superpowers. So, superpower number one, big picture thinking. Multipotentialites have the ability to grasp abstract concepts, ideas, and possibilities to create an ambitious vision. Superpower number two, we're risk takers. Clarity and passion for the big picture drive us to take risks in order to achieve the vision. We embrace change and enter the unknown. Superpower number three, accelerated development. We are fast learners because we've changed our interests so many times. And when we're interested in something new, we dive in. We develop skills, traits, abilities faster and more effectively than should be possible. That's a superpower. And we are infinitely resourceful. We love a challenge and face obstacles with creativity, persistence, and innovation. Where there's a will, there's a way, is our motto. And last but not least, idea and human connector. Multipotentialites see the connections between two or more seemingly unrelated concepts. Our variety of knowledge and experiences also provide an ability to relate to many different people and cultures. And I'll leave you with a quote. The one from Maya Angelou is so amazing. So this one comes from Donald Glover. He is an actor, singer, rapper, musician, DJ, comedian, writer, director, producer, filmmaker. He's a multi-passionate artist. It's Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. He says, I kind of see them all as the same thing. People are always asking, how do you separate them? How do you prioritize? And I sort of see them as all the same thing, which is kind of why I like stand-up the most, because you can do all of that. And I think that's what I just said. I think that's why I like coaching the most, because I can do everything. I can draw on 
all of my interests and knowledge and experience and share that with you. I'm passionate. I'm getting passionate again. (laughs) So that is my story. I hope you found some inspiration and maybe thought about things another way or even if you just felt a little less alone. I've done my job here. And till next time, honestly, like if this, if you've made it this far, please connect with me. Please connect with me. I am Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and pretty much all socials. Best thing to do is to download the free resource, Fans Media and Industry Attraction Playbook, and then you can get on my list and we will keep in contact. I share resources and stories and other opportunities. Uh, you can get that at ebook.dianfoy.com. And for links and a transcript, you can visit dianfoy.com slash 086. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists group on Facebook. Thanks again.